The Outer Limits of Inner Truth Radio Show. Ryan, that is a freaking awesome question. Yeah, great question. You are the power, and you do not need anybody's permission. Great question. You're, you're a great interviewer. You're one of the best. That is literally a brilliant question. If this is the best God can do, I am not impressed. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to the Outer Limits of Inner Truth Radio Show, OuterLimitsRadio.com. I'm your host, Ryan. Hope you're doing unbelievable. And I was wondering what you thought of the introduction. I may keep that as a regular thing instead of playing the subtle music. So I don't know. What do you think? Please let me know. Our featured guest for this evening is a returning guest, and he is absolutely brilliant. And right now, we're going to play a brief clip of somebody who gave him a glaring testimonial. Hi, I'm Tony Robbins. Listen, if you are looking to improve your brain, your psyche, your ability, your emotions, your ability to really maximize your performance, um, and you want to really dig into your brain, my my dear friend, Dr. Jim Hart, and his BioCybernet program is extraordinary. I've been through it myself. My wife, Sage, has. Members of my family have. And we found it to be truly extraordinary. But it is not for the faint at heart. Unless you're dead serious about really taking things to the next level, don't bother. We went through the Alpha program designed to maximize your ability to have create Alpha waves. And it was challenging, and it was incredibly rewarding. And I'd recommend it to anybody serious about improving the quality of their lives or including the quality of their family lives as well. So... Check out Cybernaut. Check out Dr. Jim Hart. And uh, if you do, I think you'll be really, really pleased. Isn't that pretty cool? An individual who Tony Robbins thinks is brilliant is on our show for the second time. And we have a lot of fun. We're going to talk about the power of brainwaves, how they can you can utilize them to transform and change your life. There's a lot to discuss. And let us begin tonight's program. Welcome back to the program is Dr. James V. Hart, a physicist. Thank you, Brian. Yep, you're welcome. Physicist, psychologist, and psychophysiologist with over 40 years of research in clinical practice in neurofeedback and brainwave enhancement. He's with the BioCybernaut Institute. You can learn more about him by going to his website at biocybernaut.com. Dr. Hart, welcome back to the program. It's a great honor to have you with us today. It's a pleasure to be with you again, Ryan. You're always so enthusiastic and have such good questions. Thank you. Thank you. Well, the first show that we had with you, we got a tremendous response talking about brainwave enhancements that I think can revolutionize your life. So plenty of new questions for you. One of the first questions I would like to ask you is, have you ever been able to engage the frequency or the vibrational frequency which emits from planet Earth is there a vibrational frequency that, that is um, coincides with a like a, is it an out closer to an alpha beta theta or gamma state? I'm curious to know if there is a difference in frequency of things on different planets. I'm wondering if the brain were oscillating at a frequency, say closer alignment to Mars or Venus, would perception change so dramatically where we'd be able to perceive different things that would be on this particular planet based on the core frequency of each particular planet if it was different to Earth? Wow, what a fantastic question. Thank now you. you allow me to go into a sort of a, 
a world that most people don't know I live in, which is I'm also a climatologist and a paleoclimatologist. And one of the things that's happening right now is we are going into another grand solar minimum. The last time it happened was 400 years ago. It was called the Little Ice Age in Europe, 1645 <laughs> to 1715. It was when the Ming Dynasty collapsed for lack of food in China. Whole Swiss villages disappeared under glaciers. The River Thames froze. And they had ice fairs on the Thames. There was mass starvation, mass migration to the south, and it is happening again. So forget global warming. We are going into an extended period of global cooling. Now, we know from looking at the historical record that when the sun goes into a grand solar minimum, and you can Google GSM or grand solar minimum and begin to inform yourself about how to protect yourself from the food shortages and the colder weather that's coming, what we know from the historical record is there's a huge increase in volcanoes and earthquakes. And if you get a volcano app and an earthquake app for your cell phone, you will find there's sometimes dozens of volcanoes and earthquakes going off every day. And, of course, the mainstream news doesn't report it. And it is a solar system-wide effect. There is a volcano in the Tharsis Ridge series of three volcanoes on Mars that is currently erupting and hasn't erupted for millions of years. So the entire solar system is being affected by increase in volcanoes and increase in earthquakes, although they would be called Marsquakes on Mars. So that's a little bit of a digression. So your question is frequencies and planet Earth. Yes, there is a frequency of planet Earth. It's called the Schumann resonance frequency, and it averages about 7.83 hertz. Now, there is a cavity resonator that is created by the uh, spherical cavity formed by the surface of the Earth and the bottom of the ionosphere. So what does the size of the cavity have to do with the frequency? Well, if you take two organ pipes, one 15 feet tall and another one foot tall, out of the one foot tall organ pipe, you're going to get a high pitch note. And out of the big 12 foot high organ pipe, you're going to get a deep resonant sound, very deep note. So the earth has a cavity resonator and it's formed by the spherical cavity between the surface of the Earth and the bottom of the ionosphere, and the frequency averages about 7.83 hertz. Now, the way this relates to brainwaves is utterly fascinating because if you look at brainwave texts going up to about the mid-50s or so, they defined delta, brainwaves the slowest, is 0 to 4, theta as 4 to 7, alpha as 8 to 13, Beta as 13 to 25, some people say 40, and from top of beta up to gamma, it goes up to about 100 hertz. And every one of those is continuous, except there's a 1 hertz gap between theta and alpha. If theta is 4 to 7, then there were no human brain waves recorded or described between 7 to 8, and then the alpha goes 8 to 13. So what's going on between 7 and 8? Why? didn't the textbooks up to about the mid-50s report the existence of human brainwaves in 7 to 8? So let me give you a theory, because that's the frequency where Mother Earth's Schumann resonance frequency is 7.83. It's right between alpha, top of alpha, the top of theta, and the bottom of alpha. So, okay, let's say that you have an early hominid walking across the African savanna. And his or her brain is tuned in such a way that it can resonate at the brainwave frequencies between 7 and 8. Okay, so let's say a couple hundred miles to the north over the Nile Delta, there's a lightning storm going off. Lightning shooting, putting sprays of frequencies into this 
cavity resonator formed between the surface of the Earth and the bottom of the atmosphere. And so if that early hominid brain works in that frequency range, when the lightning strikes, that hominid may go into a bliss state and be like frozen as the pulse of the planet pours through his or her brain, which means in that bliss state, he or she is going to miss the snap of a twig, which indicates an approaching cheetah or hyena. And so guess what? Those genes don't make it to the next generation because he gets eaten. So that would remove from the gene pool hominid brains that could function between the top of theta and the bottom of alpha. Now, Starting from that time forward, and nowadays, we do occasionally see uh, what we call the Schumann brainwaves between 7 and 8, and um, I think that it coincides with the intrusion of television broadly into the culture. Television tends to zombie people out and produce lower frequencies as they you know, zombie out in front of the screen, the boob tube, and so as a speculative kind of fun theory – I would suggest that television zombied people out so that the brains now work in the Schumann resonance range, and there aren't a lot of people walking around the streets of New York or Pittsburgh or Los Angeles who are vulnerable to being eaten by cheetahs or hyenas if they happen to zone out into the Schumann frequency. So yes, planets do have resonant frequencies, and if they affect the creatures on that planet, it can perhaps affect the survival of those species, depending on how evolved the civilization is and what are the predators. So just to verify something, based on what you said, do all living beings on a particular planet have to be within a close range of the frequency of the core resonance of that planet? Or if they go too far away or too or they, they go too far away, does that limit their capability of being in in alignment with it in the sense that they cannot survive if they're too far out of the frequency of the core of the planet. Well, distance is a very interesting thing because, you see, if you are producing and putting into a cavity resonator the frequency at which it resonates, those amplitudes at that frequency will travel thousands of kilometers without significant attenuation. That's why I said a lightning storm over the Nile could inject frequencies into the Earth's cavity resonator at 7.83, and they could travel all the way down to Johannesburg uh, in South Africa without significant attenuation. So distance doesn't really matter if you've got a cavity resonator and you're putting into it the frequency at which that cavity resonates. And in your experience, what is the most unusual frequency that you've ever discovered as far as brainwaves go? Why was it unusual? And compared to all the other frequencies, did this unusual frequency allow you to perceive things that were beyond our reality, beyond our waking reality? Did you ever – have there been a brainwave frequency or a certain – way that allowed you to see maybe interdimensionally? Again, there's a half a dozen <laughs> there. Uh, but let me just pick some and, uh, you know, uh, begin, you know, been hiking up the hill. Um, so most and least, these are comparatives. And uh, we, on the basics of the training, we read the Trust in the Heart Sutra from the Third Chinese Patriarch of Zen. The entire guidance of that is to avoid judgments, comparisons, and evaluations. So I typically don't live in the world of superlatives. 
uh, occasionally, sometimes I do. I mean, I'm human and I'm not, you know, perfect. But uh, what I can do instead of saying, you know, most unusual or whatever, I can just share with you some interesting things that have happened. Uh, and uh, merging is compatible with all states. So you can merge and have unusual and interesting experiences in any state. Now, uh, one, for example, one interesting experience um, happened when I was in India the first time. I took the technology to India, and I was working uh, with a variety of yogis, dozens of yogis that had been rounded up by the film crew that had been there uh, four previous times. And so I set up my equipment in a suite in the Oberoi Hotel owned then by the king of Nepal, and uh, we would bring in these yogis and swamis and uh, measure their brainwaves. Well, one of them came in, and when he walked into the room, he had a beatific radiance. You just felt like you were in awe, like the sun had just come up. It was like cheerful and, and radiant. And so he had a childlike curiosity and uh, wanted to know everything. Uh, he only spoke Hindi, so it was translated. And I had with me there, in fact, it was my ticket to India, I had built the world's first microprocessor-controlled brainwave feedback and analyzer system. I'd used the Motorola 6800, which was an 8-bit microprocessor. And so I was there with this advanced piece of technology. You know, microprocessor, you know, it's like a little brain. It's like a little computer brain. And so I told this Swami that this machine had a brain. Well, of course, he wanted to see it. Now, I wasn't about to take it apart, but I had along a spare, which was in uh, memory foam, uh, conductive foam, uh, so that the CMOS electronics wouldn't short out from stray static. It was a 40-pin chip. And I brought it out and showed it to me. He's petting it. This is a Motorola 6800. He's petting it with one finger. So we wire him up, and he sits down. He's going to meditate. And so his alpha was high. And in the next measurement period, two minutes later, all of his scores at all the sites in his head were higher. And the next two-minute epic, they were higher. And the next two-minute epic, they were higher. And the next two-minute epic, they were higher. Well, my experience, whether it's a stock market going up, uh, you know, there's zigs and zags. It goes up and down, up and down. But the trend is up. This guy never went down. He only went up. There were a few epics where maybe one or two of the scores was the same as the last two-minute epic, but never lower. Mathematicians call this a monotonic increase. After 15 minutes, my jaw is in my lap. It's like, wow, what is going on here? And he went on for over an hour, going higher and higher and higher in his alpha, until after about an hour, he opened his eyes. It was a flash of light came out, and he spoke in Hindi. It was translated. He said, well, I'd like to go on, but the light is getting so bright that if I go any further, I won't be able to come back and tell you about it. He could have gone right out into a Mahasamadhi and dropped his body. Oh, wow. So I profusely thanked him for coming back because I would have had a hard time explaining a dead body to the Indian police <laughs> where I had my electrodes on his head and it was plugged into my equipment, which, which plugged into a transformer, which was plugged into the 400-volt power that they used in India. So, yeah, there was a fascinating experience where higher and higher and higher alpha, and he almost went out on a Mahasamadhi. So just about, if you are utilizing, if you are listening to an alpha frequency, what is the difference? Uh, what does that generally do? Like if you listen to alpha waves in the morning, you listen to a track, alpha waves, and your brain aligns to that, what is that necessarily going to do? And what is the difference between listening to a track every day in alpha waves and 
you know, utilizing the services of the Biosarbonat Institute? What well, first of all, uh, <clears throat> when you talk about listening to a track, you're probably referring to uh, a technology where people play things at you and expect that it's going to induce a brainwave in you. One time, uh, somebody sent me a box of four CDs. One was called Delta Music, another was called Theta Music, another was called Alpha Music, another was called Beta Music. And supposedly, according to people who were making and selling these CDs, if you would listen to this music, it would induce that brainwave into you. So, of course, I you know played all the CDs. And it was laughable. In fact, it was really kind of sad because it was, to my way of thinking, it was a fraud. Because there is no music, there is no track that you can play to anyone that's going to cause a specific brainwave. Like, for example, you could play a Beethoven sonata to somebody, and they could go into a bliss state because they love Beethoven, and they could have, you know, they could have a real bliss experience. You play it to somebody else, and all they see is European imperialism, and they go into anger, and their alpha drops because it reminds them of how the European nations subdued, you know, other countries around the world. And so it's the same music, but the person is having a different response, which is why it's kind of pointless to say, oh, this is alpha music. Well, it might be for person A, and it might suppress alpha for person B. So I think that's laughable. And even if it worked, there is a danger. There are technologies out there that play uh, sounds that are alleged to cause particular brainwaves. And so, now, if we were ecologists, we would be really concerned about the problem of invasive species. You get a two-pound African toad on a Hawaiian island, and pretty soon all the ground-nesting birds have gone extinct. Or, you know what's happening in the Florida Everglades. During a hurricane recently, some Burmese pythons that were in, in cages in uh, Florida were broken open and these Burmese pythons got into the Everglades and they've now almost completely destroyed all mammal life in the Everglades and now they're starting to kill off the alligators and they can grow to over 20 feet long and so, you know, this is a problem of an invasive species. Just when we need okay? another reason well, not to go to Florida. <laughs> well, if, you know, let's not talk about that yep. because some people live in Florida. Some people like to go to Florida. But it's probably not a, a good idea to go swimming in the Everglades because there are now Burmese pythons there, and a 20-foot python could easily choke and strangle a human being. Okay, so we have a problem with invasive uh, species. As a brain scientist, I'm concerned about the problem of invasive frequencies. Now, your brain is multiply co-evolved with lots of different frequencies, which have over time learned to have harmonious relationships with each other. If you come from the outside and you impose a frequency that's alleged to be an alpha or a theta or whatever frequency, and that's like walking through a flower garden with jackboots, you're going to be crushing and destroying certain frequencies. One time years ago, I worked with a guy who had done the Monroe Institute's uh, Hemisync, uh, which is an inducement technology, a binaural beat technology. And he had played the, the, the uh, Hemisync eight hours a day, every day for a month. And his brain had gotten stuck in that frequency. 
And he was zombieized. He came to me and I learned to, I taught him to, you know, increase alpha, suppress alpha. And by the end of the seven day training, the alpha one training, he had broken out of that zombieization that he had been induced into by what I call inducement technologies. Now, in the realm of learning, there are, I consider like a continental divide between learning technologies and do it to you technologies. Now, drugs are a form of do it to you technologies. If somebody gives you a big dose of LSD, it doesn't matter that you don't want to go on a trip. You're going to go on a trip. And of course, if you fight it, it's going to be worse. So these are inducement technologies. They do things to you. Whether it's a good thing or a bad thing, you really don't have much to say about it because once you start, it does it to you. Now, when we give people feedback for alpha, their brains have to figure out how to allow the increased alpha to happen in such a way that it's compatible with other things that are going on. And now back to traumas, for example. If somebody has a trauma, they were sexually abused, raped or brutalized, brutalized or whatever, if they, draw, if they raise their alpha too fast, their defenses against this repressed memory could tumble and more of the memory could be released into their awareness than they might be ready for. This is, of course, why we have skilled trainers who are there to help people through the process of awakening into long repressed traumas. But it's better if it goes at a pace where you, like, the good news about alpha training is you only get as much as you can handle. The bad news about alpha training is you only get as much as you can handle. But if you take a drug or you use some other inducement technique, you may get way more than you can handle because it's forcing the brain into a state that it may not be ready for, using frequencies that may be foreign to the brain, that may be damaging to the other brain frequencies. So I'm quite against any inducement technology, although I know a lot of biohackers who want it quick and simple are you know, willing to experiment. But I, I say, mm, caveat emptor. <laughs> I think it was a great answer. Thank you. And one of the things you really brought up I loved as you're talking about how you met this gentleman and he was trapped in this frequency state and I wonder for people who watch TV on a regular basis if they get trapped in these frequencies that's the, I, I, um, I don't really like to watch TV and every time there's a commercial that comes on I automatically hit mute I don't want to hear any commercials at all I feel it is an invasive it's invading you know frequency it's invading consciousness so I try to turn it off I try to you know only watch things that I, I like to engage but do you find that there are a lot of people that could be trapped in a frequency without even being aware about it in our culture today and I wonder if they weren't trapped how would their decision-making be different? What kind of society would we have if maybe they weren't? Well, let's expand this. Yeah, let's expand this a little bit beyond just their frequency. Uh, if we go to uh, Adolf Hitler's um, propaganda minister, uh, Goebbels, uh, you know, what they knew was that if you tell a lie big enough, you know, you get away with it. And so there's a lot of talk nowadays, thank goodness, about fake news. And it's understood that the news media have a very powerful influence on people's minds, their beliefs, and their behaviors. And so if you watch or listen to alternative news, you often get really different stories uh, than if you watch the mainstream media, which is probably serving the deep state more than uh, the people. Now, to make this safe to talk about, 
let me go way, 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 way back to the Vietnam War. I used to be a news addict, and I would watch, I would make sure to watch, tape record in some cases, and then watch the nightly news of ABC, NBC, and CBS. And so during the Vietnam War, some of the news networks were more supportive of the government's effort in Vietnam, like ABC, and some of them were less supportive. The least supportive of the Vietnam War was CBS, and NBC was in the middle. Okay, so there's uh, a guy who had just won a Nobel Prize. And so um, ABC News interviewed the guy and talked a little bit about the Nobel Prize. Uh, NBC News interviewed the guy and reported that he was a peace activist. CBS News interviewed the guy and not only reported that he was a peace activist, but that he was dedicating, donating his entire monetary award of the Nobel Prize to some anti-war groups. And so you could see across the spectrum that the news could be reported quite differently. That's even more true now as the psychotechnologists have learned how to spin stories in such a way as to shape public opinion. Now, whether you approve of that or you don't approve of that is, of course, a personal decision. But the fact is the news media have this power, and so they can contribute to the definition of the reality. And, of course, that influences the brainwaves of the people who are living in or choosing not to live in those realities. Wow. That's awesome. Thank you. I I guess people are always questioning and curious about that. There was a gentleman we had on our show this year, Dr. Hart. His name was Dr. Stephen Greer, and he is the one of the fathers of the modern-day disclosure movement as it pertains to UFOs and extraterrestrial mm-hmm. life. And one of the things he did is he discussed how UFOs get here, how aliens uh, are able to travel vast distances that we can't even comprehend mm-hmm. to get here. And he was describing it as a manifestation of consciousness where it seems like they're generating these, these, these crafts that are organic, that are, originate in mind, and they traverse and they travel outside the space-time continuum. And what I'm fascinating about is I'm wondering, have you ever come across anything of an extraterrestrial nature and been able to get a reading on the type of frequency that um, uh, that, that being may particularly have? And have you ever seen or experienced brainwave frequencies where people are actually able to manifest physical reality out of the frequencies that are recurring in their brains? Um, again, there's uh, multiple questions there. Uh, I'll ask, so I'll ask a simple question next time. <laughs> yeah, no, it's okay. It's okay. Well, but because you're so kind, you ask these really broad, multiple questions. And then you allow me to choose which parts of it to answer. So that really, makes it really fun for me. So let's talk about uh, Stephen Greer and the Disclosure Project. Uh, there was a time last year where I followed Corey Good and David Wilcox very closely in talking about, uh, you know, uh, Corey Good's experience as an emotional intuitive, meaning translator between humans and ET species. And so... Uh, fascinating material, uh, very, very intrigued by, by all of it. I personally have seen uh, a UFO, classic uh, saucer shape, 
um, uh, right across the Deschutes River Canyon from where I was unrolling my uh, bedroll. I was motorcycle camping with a friend from San Francisco. And when I spotted the UFO and spun him around, his eyes got big, his jaw dropped, and he, he, he got down on his knees, pulled the sleeping bag over his head, and yelled, it's not there, it's not there. Yeah. <laughs> I was laughing. I, I ripped the sleeping bag off his head, spun him around, pointed at the UFO, and again he went under the sleeping bag yelling, shaking, no, it's not there, it's not there. So, you know, that's clear that, you know, he saw it too. It wasn't just, you know, me hallucinating. And so, uh, you know, classic kind of thing. I haven't had a close encounter of the third kind, um, but uh, this was this was fascinating. And you know, Corey Good said that there are 900 ET species that uh, at least some humans are in contact with. And so, I would recommend people who are intrigued by this topic to uh, check up, you know, what's going on with the Disclosure Project. I also worked for a while with Dr. Rima LeBeau who had over 10,000 cases of what she called experience anomalous traumas. And these were people who had had UFO abductions or close encounters, which traumatized them in some cases as badly or worse than people who had had extreme sexual abuse. And so, you know, she was a psychiatrist. She actually uh, uh, began to work with uh, a three-star general named uh, Bert Stubblebein, who was for a time... Uh, head of U.S. Army Intelligence. He sent um, uh, two Army Intelligence officers, uh, John Alexander and uh, James McLaughlin, for training at my lab in 1983, where they did the Alpha training, uh, the Alpha One, for one week, and then they went into the same chamber, and they did what we call shared feedback. That's trademark shared feedback where they sit in the same chamber, they hear each other's brainwaves, and uh, I told them they would have telepathic exchanges doing this. And because of this, they wouldn't allow me to do shared feedback with them because they had high security clearances and knew a lot of classified information. I had no clearance. And so they wouldn't let me do shared feedback with them. They did have secrets slip between them. And John Alexander later wrote a book called The Warrior's Edge, in which he dedicated an entire chapter to their two weeks of brain training at BioCybernaut, and he confirmed, so this is now with the imprimatur of U.S. Army intelligence, that the BioCybernaut shared feedback, trademark, shared feedback, produced telepathic exchanges between him and Lieutenant Colonel James McLaughlin. Now, the book is out of print, but it's a cult classic, and maybe sometimes on Amazon you can find a used copy for sale between $400 and $700. And so The Warrior's Edge by Colonel John B. Alexander. So, yeah, there's a lot of really, really cool things uh, that are going on, and you can often tap into them by uh, looking into BrainWise. That's uh, it's really interesting. and. So Bert, Bert Stubblebein, General Bert Stubblebein, it's interesting. One of the things that Bert Stubblebein did, and here is a, you know, a, a, a history-rocking piece of information. Bert Stubblebein, three-star general, former head of Army Intelligence. He actually did the alpha training with me at one point, and he reported that in the hole in the Pentagon uh, – which interestingly was a very small hole. There were no seats or wings or anything found around the hole. In the hole, 
they found the turbine engine of a cruise missile. That comes from General Birch Doublebine, three-star Army general, former head of Army intelligence. The hole in the Pentagon was caused by a cruise missile and not an airplane. I wouldn't be surprised. I yeah. question everything. And that's yeah. It, yeah. Speaking of the questioning thing, it's just, when it comes to cognitive dissonance and people not being able to perceive a reality based on no matter what facts are in front of them, does that mean that they are trapped in a potentially high beta frequency? Because one of the things I, I've talked a lot about in the program is the crisis of now. Everyone is always in this crisis. We're always you know, experiencing fear of, of a next event or another national tragedy. And this, I don't feel like there's ever a period of time where people are just generally happy. I mean, if you turn off the, the, the TV or, you, or you're with your family or friends, I'm sure you've probably experienced a prolonged period of happiness. But it, it just seems that the, the way that the people in the world are presenting it, it's as if we're, we're always in the state of fear. And I'm wondering if by being in that perpetual state of fear, does that actually have a devastating impact on the brain's ability to accept or experience high alpha brainwaves? Oh, absolutely. 100%. You're right on. Uh, there was, in 1960, a National Mental Health Survey by Gern, Barron, and Feld in which they studied uh, anxiety. There are also more recent studies that confirm that anxiety is higher in women than it is in men at every age. In both men and women, anxiety goes up with age as alpha decreases. And in women, anxiety goes up faster than it does in men. So when I was at the University of California, San Francisco, I was a assistant professor in the psychiatry department, and I wrote one and directed a large federal grant entitled Anxiety and Aging, Intervention with EEG Alpha Feedback, because it turns out I found that alpha not only reduces anxiety, but it reverses aging in the brain. And so <clears throat> what we have is a technology that the fear, the ubiquitous fear that you talk about, it actually gets larger, stronger, worse with age, and that correlates with the drop in alpha with age. And up until now, there's been no way of reversing that, but the not alpha training can actually reverse aging in the brain by increasing not only the amount of alpha, but the frequency of alpha. Once atherosclerosis sets in, which depending on your genetics, diet, lifestyle, could happen as early as your 20s, once atherosclerosis begins, the frequency of your alpha starts to slow, and it slows eight-tenths of a hertz for every 10 years of life. So alpha is 8 to 13. Most people center around 10. So you get atherosclerosis at 22. Well, probably by the time you're in your mid-40s, you've lost all your alpha. It is slowed out of existence. Once the alpha slows below eight cycles per second, you don't have any alpha. You enter senescence or senility and usually die soon thereafter. And so what we have is a way that reverses that. You can actually train with biosabernaut alpha training to increase the frequency of your alpha, which reverses that aspect of aging in your brain. And when in the federal grant we trained women from 60 well up into their 80s, it was like they had drunk from the fountain of youth. Uh, I had an 80-year-old lady riding on the back of my motorcycle, side saddle. 
most of these women had never graduated high school. They got GEDs, they went to college, they got degrees, they got advanced degrees. Some of them started businesses. Some of them like became professions like uh, certified hypnotherapists. And uh, people who knew them said, these, these people are the only people I ever met that get younger every time I see them. And so, yes, you can reverse aging in the brain. And then, of course, the brain being the master regulator of your hormones, your endocrine system, your digestion, your blood pressure, your everything about yourself is regulated directly or directly by the master regulator of your brain. And when you lose your alpha, that indicates the blood flow to the brain is decreased. It doesn't function well and your body starts to fall apart. But you can reverse all of this by reversing aging in your brain by using the biosabinod alpha training to increase the alpha in your brain and to speed it up. And Dr. Hart, I want to remind everyone that you have a you have a number of fans of the Biosabinod Institute, and one particular fan, I don't know if some people have heard of him, we definitely brought up the last time we had John, Tony Robbins gave you this impassioned, glaring testimony about how much he <laughs> loved it, and we all know what Tony Robbins is doing. So yeah. uh, that was really awesome that he re- that he experienced it and he loved it and really worked out. So again, we're definitely going to post after things. after Tony did his Alpha One training with his wife Bonnie Pearl and her personal assistant. He said, "Jim, this is one of the most valuable experiences I've had in my life, and you, Jim Hart, are now permanent family." Oh, that's awesome. That's so awesome. It was awesome. Yeah. Congratulations. That's a, that's an incredible accomplishment. Uh, what an incredible man he is, so powerful, so competent, and I was so privileged to be able to contribute to his life. Uh, that's awesome. Doctor, we only have a few more questions, and one of them is this idea or theory of a universal mind. I'll tell you hypothetical. I don't know if you've ever come across this, but the idea that there is one mind and all living beings within that and all living all creations are manifestations or thought forms um, now seen as perspective of that universal consciousness. Call it God, call it source, call it whatever you will. Is there a frequency or brainwave frequency that is associated with oneness, that is associated with getting in a meditative state and embracing the idea of a singular of singularity or singular consciousness that you are one with all things at all times. Wow, what a fascinating and deep question. Um, in a very, very deep way, everyone is seeking oneness with another person, their lover, their sexual partner, with all of humanity, with God, as they define it. And when I studied Celtic magic with an archdruid, he said, merging is compatible with all states. But just as a sailor knows you can sail downwind or upwind, sailing downwind is a lot easier than sailing upwind. And so trying to merge in a beta state, while technically possible, is pretty challenging. It's much easier to merge in alpha, which is why the alpha training is the first training that we start everyone on. Once you've done at least one alpha, then you're eligible for a theta training. Now, in theta, you can go deeper, but theta is a little bit harder to access, and for some people, very hard to access until they've done one, two, or three alpha trainings, which each alpha training you do increases the amount of theta that you have in your brain activity. And so, in deep meditation, people sometimes 
see what they call Indra's web. Indra's a name of a Hindu goddess. And Indra's web is a network, a web that connects everything, all life, all physical matter, all energy. And in very deep states, people sometimes, after you know, decades of meditation, people will sometimes see Indra's web. Well, it's actually pretty common after, you know, a few days of alpha training for people to see this connectedness. Now, you know, they're, they're, they don't know that it has the name of Indra's web. It doesn't need to have that name because it's the network that connects everything, all life, all non-life, all matter, all emptiness. It connects everything. And so the, the problem is that because we live remote from universal nature by complicated artifice with our technologies and with our psychologies, the experience of oneness emerging is all too rare in society. It doesn't mean modern society or ancient society. It used to be that uh, groups like the Essenes uh, or other meditative traditions would separate themselves from the maddening crowd and go off to caves or mountains or monasteries, and there they would do their spiritual practice to experience oneness with the it all. And so brain training can clearly and, do, and does clearly accelerate this pro process, and it enables people to go very quickly into deep states of merging. Uh, we talked about the shared feedback trademark, where two people after just one alpha training can go into the chamber together and hear not only their feedback tones, but the other person's feedback tones. And you literally, as you get on the same wavelength, you literally make beautiful music together. It's a very profound state of merging and oneness that can be enjoyed, achieved, and enjoyed very quickly with the biocybernet technology. Technology speeds things up. And Tara, the last question I have is sometimes people will look at the world and they'll see it as getting dark, as people growing power hungry, becoming more fascist, becoming more of totalitarianism. I, I see it all the time. I see a lot of people maybe not wanting to think or wanting to be curious. And compared to these brainwave frequencies that are meant to hold people in a state of powerlessness, in a state of obedience, in a state of perpetual fear, is there a counterbalance in or even a greater advantage for people to embrace another form of brainwave frequencies where even if a small amount are highly active, highly engaged, or highly knowledgeable about their frequencies, can they override and overcome the vast majority of people that are trapped within those fear-based brainwave frequencies? Absolutely. Let me go to talking about Dr. David Hawkins who at one time, he was a psychiatrist, he had the largest psychiatry practice in America, I believe it was in New York. And then he began to become enlightened. And so what he did was he developed the Hawkins scale of consciousness. Below 200, there's no integrity. Humanity as a whole calibrated below 200 until the harmonic convergence in 1987, which rising above 200 as a, as a total and net, uh, gave humanity a big chance at survival. Now, the 400s are the range of the intellect. Einstein made it to 499, but he didn't make it to 500, which is where love, the energy of love begins. Unconditional love begins at 540, 
Enlightenment begins at 600. Dr. Hawkins calibrated Jesus when he was in the body at 1000. And at one point when Dr. Hawkins was going through his dark night of the soul and called out for help, a passing archangel sent him a healing thought and he calibrated the archangel at 50,000, way more than Jesus was when he was in a body. And so the scale is exponential. And so at one point I did a calculation where one person who goes up 100 points, and Hawkins said, most people making the best efforts they can with prayer and meditation and self-introspection, they maybe can go up five points in a lifetime. I did a calculation using the Hawkins uh, numbers that one person going up 100 points benefits humanity more than a million people each going up one point. And I have had people who started in the mid uh, to high 400s now to go over 700. And so this, of course, involved multiple alpha trainings, multiple beta trainings, and uh, delta trainings. But I know that this person went from, you know, the the mid-high 400s to over 700 in a few years by doing repeated alpha trainings, delta trainings, theta trainings with me. And so the benefit to humanity for that to happen is vast. One person going up 100 points benefits humanity more than a million people going up one point. What do people find out about this test? I mean, can they take it on? Is there a test they can take online for this? Uh, Dr. Hawkins used kinesiology to to, uh, make these evaluations. Now, if you know about kinesiology, it's a pretty interesting way to uh, one time using I, I use I use pendulum when I'm accessing that kind of information rather than kinesiology. And one time I was making a trip across the country um, in winter uh, in a van with a family that included a, a newborn baby. And I used the pendulum to calculate the route. And we avoided traditional routes. I remember at one point we were at a gas station and we saw hundreds of cars stuck on uh, a freeway uh, because of snow on a route that we were planning to take. So, you know, these are kinds of fun things. They're ways of accessing, you know, information that's beyond yourself. Some people would say, oh, well, it's intuition or, oh, well, it was a hunch or, uh, or well, it was psychic abilities. You know, there's, there's a lot of forms of knowing and different people have different ways of accessing them. Some use muscle testing or kinesiology. Some use pendulum. Some go into a trance and they have voices talk to them. I mean, the ways of accessing this information, which is all around us all the time, the ways are endless. Dr. James V. Hart, physicist, psychologist, and psychophysiologist, the BioCybernaut Institute. What a great honor it was to have you on our show again. I love your answers. I love your insight. <laughs> and, I, you know, having you on the show is like giving our audience ice cream with, you know, caramel and a ton of things on top. So thank you so much. <laughs> thank you, Ryan. It's always a delight to talk to you. You yeah. ask the most interesting questions. And you allow me to give quite a range of answers. So I appreciate the freedom that you offer along with your courteousness and your kindness, and your professionalism. Thank you so much. Oh, and real quick, to learn more about Dr. Hart, please go to his website at biocybernaut.com. Thank you, Dr. Hart. Thanks, Ryan. Bye for now. 
Okay, everyone, that concludes today's edition of the Out of Limits of Inner Truth Radio Show. Special thanks to our amazing guest, Dr. James Hart. And special thanks, as always, to our virtues, Miss Carrie O'Connor, Miss Lisa Kaza, and Miss Constance Dellis. To learn more about the Out of Limits of Inner Truth Radio Show, please go to our website at outoflimitsradio.com. Until the next time we meet, my friends, I wish upon you an abundance of peace, love, and beers. Take good care, and thank you so much for listening. Well, we're on the cusp of that magical time of year again. You know, that uh, magical time of year where they play commercials and say, yeah, you got to go out. If you love someone, buy them a toaster. Buy them this piece of crap. Show them you love them for Christmas by buying them this piece of crap. Here's an idea. Instead of getting someone you love a piece of crap for Christmas this year, why not get them a reading with Miss Lisa Kaza, Miss Constance Stellis, or Miss Carrie O'Connor from the Out of Limits of Truth Radio Show. Give them the gift of insight into themselves because they're going to return whatever piece of crap you buy them. They don't, they're not excited with the gift you're giving them. No one is. No one likes their presence. They just smile for the cameras and say, hey, they're lying. You give them the gift of a psychic reading with Miss Carrie O'Connor. You learn more about her by going to her website at carrieoconnor.com. Carrie can read auras. She can look into your field, communicate with the dead. I mean, communicating with the dead over a piece of crap present you're going to give that they're going to return anyway, that's a much better deal. You can get them a reading with this Lisa Kaza, a psychic empath, amazing, direct to the point. She'll provide insight on a person who's trying to find a job, trying to find romance in their life. That's a great, great gift. Or you can get them a reading with Miss Lisa, with Miss Constance Dallas, the Astro Phenom. Get their charts done. Find out what 2018 is going to bring for them. I'm telling you, you get them a reading with either one of these uh, amazing ladies from the Outer Limits of Industry Radio Show, and they're going to be happy. No joke, no return, nothing. Get the greatest gift you can, a reading with these individuals, and forego the piece of crap this year. Want to be heard or seen in front of millions of people? Want to be an expert on TV or radio? Goldman McCormick PR is a New York City-based public relations agency that specializes in traditional and social media placement for law, finance, media, and corporate-based clients. Goldman McCormick PR also are specialists in website development, radio show creation, press conferences, media training, and so much more. Check out GoldmanMcCormick.com for more information. GoldmanMcCormick.com.